You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. I was getting to know um, a young student at the University of Arizona. And I was at the time working for a radio station called KNST Radio in Tucson. And I was kind of making a transition from being a full-time broadcaster to being a pastor. And this young man was shooting for a broadcasting career, so we would talk often about it and really got to like him, and he was really a neat kid, and um, as I was covering football, basketball, and baseball, he was around, and I started to pray for him, and one morning I remember getting up, and I said to the Lord, kind of in a general sense, Lord, bring someone into my path today that I can share the gospel with. Help me to be aware of any opportunities that might come up. And so I arrived that night at the University of Arizona for a basketball game, and I remember walking down Press Row, and there he was. He was sitting all by himself. And not just that, he was reading a Bible. And I thought, wow, that's a quick answer to prayer. Could have warned me. But there was really nobody else there yet. It was early, and so I walked over to him, and I asked him, you know, what are you reading there? And he said he was studying for a religion class and he was reading the Old Testament and we had a chance to talk back and forth about what I believed and so forth. And it was an amazing opportunity that God gave me. And I honestly don't know what became of this young man, but I'm so thankful that God gave me the wherewithal to lean into the opportunity when it presented himself, itself. And today we're going to talk about another amazing opportunity in the form of a man by the name of Philip. Philip was an evangelist in the New Testament. And in our book of Acts, we see that an opportunity for him came out of nowhere. But he was ready and the man became a follower of Jesus. So when it comes to these opportunities, we often wonder, what is the secret of doing well when it comes time to share my faith. What do I say? What do I not say? How do I know when to share? And these are all really important questions because eternity hangs in the balance. But the good news is, is when we do our part, we're not responsible for the outcome. God does that. And so today I want to use Philip's example and his encounter as a way of learning what it means to enter in when a doorway opens. Now, we're studying the book of Acts. We're in a series called Courageously Multiply. And here's what we've studied so far, as we look at what it means to multiply and how we can do that here at Ridgewood Church. So we began in Acts 1, and we saw the Lord's ascension and the promised coming of the Holy Spirit. And this, of course, is where Jesus looks at his disciples and says, I want you to go out and spread the gospel. I want you to start close to home and then go to the end of the earth. So that was Acts 1. And then in Acts 2, we saw the beginning of the church as Pentecost happened. And the Holy Spirit came down on the apostles and they began speaking in tongues. And then Peter gave this amazing sermon. In Acts 2 and 4, we began to see the early church turn into a tight-knit community and how they took care of themselves and how they were an incredible witness to the community around them. And during this time, there were miracles happening all over the place. And the apostles were 
empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then we met a man by the name of Stephen in Acts 6 through 8, who was willing to die so that others might live. The first Christian martyr. And so that brings us now to verse 8. And part of this chapter revolves around this man by the name of Simon, who was a magician. He's kind of a strange story where you're reading it along and you're thinking, oh, this is great. He became a follower of Jesus. And then at the end, it turns out that he was really just trying to put a toolbox together of magic tricks. He thought the apostles were doing magic. But the real star of this chapter is Philip. And so if you have your Bible and if you have a phone or a tablet or whatever you're going to use, open it up, if you would, to chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. Or you can just follow along on the screen if you would like. But this is an amazing man, and I want to get a glimpse here of how God was using his ministry to change the world around him. So let's begin in verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. So you can see that God is using this man, Philip, to do amazing things. But the text I really want to focus on is beginning in verse 26. Because here we see this opportunity present itself. And we see a man listening to God. A man who saw the surroundings around him and was willing to engage the opportunity. So let's begin now in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. There is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So you have this remarkable encounter taking place where the door is going to swing open and Philip will have an opportunity to share the gospel. And the first thing that's really noticeable here and I think can help us as we seek to have opportunities open us and walk through the doors as well is that courageously walking through an open door begins by listening to the voice of God. Peter is tuned in. He's listening. God is speaking. We look in 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, and in 29, and the Spirit said to Philip. And I thought in Amber's testimony, that was such a powerful moment when she talked about how there was a supernatural intervention in her life. And that's what's happening here. God's talking. Philip is listening. And what God is setting up is an encounter with a man that Philip had never met before. There's a man who we see as an Ethiopian. In that time, the country was actually also called Nubia, and it was in the south part of Egypt. 
So if you're familiar at all with how the Holy Land lays out, we have Lebanon, then we have Israel, the Gaza Strip, and then Egypt is to the south, and this would have been in the southern part of Egypt. He was an official of someone called Candace. Now that's likely not her name, but a title given to the queen mother of the country like Pharaoh was to the ruler of Egypt. And he was an administrator of some kind, likely in charge of her money. It says treasury here. But at any rate, he was a high-end official. And really interesting, he had come to worship. So he's an Ethiopian. Here he is in Jerusalem for a, a festival. And likely what he is is someone who believes, who's believing in Judaism, but has not yet converted to Christianity. And so this is when the door swings open. In 26 and 27, Philip heeded the Lord's command to rise, go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose and went. And there he found this man reading Isaiah 53, just like I had found my young friend reading the Bible at Courtside. It was an amazing opportunity. And Philip steered himself toward that opportunity because God was steering him. And you may not have as obvious of an opportunity, but you will have opportunity. And the idea is to be open and to be listening, and then God will steer you. When a child, for example, asks a question that will lead you toward a discussion of faith, God will help you know what to say. Or you're watching a movie or a show and a scene comes up and it has theological implications or something that you're not comfortable with and you want to use it as a teaching opportunity, the Holy Spirit will steer you. Maybe you have a friend who's hedging around about a, a, a difficult marriage or financial problems and you want to engage that. Well, God will steer you and help you know what to say. Or maybe there's just a clerk in a store who you notice is just getting beaten up by the customer's and you want to lean in and give a word of encouragement, God will help you. He is always speaking. It's up to us to listen. And all of these situations provide incredible opportunities to lean in when the doorway is open. And that's exactly what Philip was doing here. He was leaning into this amazing opportunity. So Philip paid attention to what God was saying but here's the second point I want to make. Courageously walking through an open door requires being ready to listen, period. Because so many times we want to be concerned about what, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? You know, no. Listen to what the person is saying. Observe what's happening around you. And if you look at 30 and 31, you can see what happens here. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come and sit with him. So it was common practice in that time to read Scripture out loud. So Philip heard him reading. Philip knew what he was reading. But he didn't go a different direction. He stuck with what was happening in front of him. So the easy first question, 
do you understand what you're reading? You know, he didn't start with, tell me your life story. Or, I have a poor spiritual loss, which is really good, by the way, if you have poor spiritual loss people. It's awesome. But, you see, what's happening here is he's following the pathway that God has laid out for him. And he's just simply using this open door. And it took courage for Philip to enter in. This is, he'd never met this man before. He was, a, he was an official of another country. There was risk involved. It also took courage for the Ethiopian to invite Philip in. But God was leading. The Spirit was at work. And when we first started the series, I quipped that many believe, you know, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. But many say it should really be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Because again here, the Holy Spirit is doing amazing things, leading these men together so that the gospel could be shared. And then came the all-important question in 32 through 34. Let's continue the narrative. In 32, now the passage of the Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And then the eunuch said to Philip, and here's the question that creates this huge doorway, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Who am I reading about? That's the question. And so Philip has this incredibly unique opportunity. And so he did know what to say. And once you've listened to God, once you've analyzed the situation, when a doorway opens, be courageously ready to give an answer. Be ready to give an answer to what you see happening around you. Peter didn't hesitate to engage. He entered in. He knew that the prophecy that the man was reading had come true. It had come true in his day. The, the prophecy was about Jesus Christ. So in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So this is amazing. At a time when not one line of the New Testament had been written down yet? What a perfect passage to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he is the one who offered us his life as a sacrifice for sin, justified the many, bearing their iniquities. The Savior is Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that as well. We... We live in difficult times. We live in unprecedented times. We're fighting a, a, a COVID uh, thing that no one's ever had to fight before. We've got racial unrest. We've got violence in our streets. We've got an election in three weeks. The country's divided. And it's easy to, to lack hope. But Jesus is your hope. Because he's the one who went to the cross and he sacrificed his life so that we could have hope, not only hope of salvation, hope of eternal life, which is amazing, but hope in this life too. David found hope, what he said in the Psalms, in the land of the living. 
So this is your hope, and it was the hope of this Ethiopian, and he was saved, he believed. The text doesn't explicitly tell us that, but we know that his baptism was next. So it's a sure sign that Philip's explanation of Isaiah 53 landed. He walked through a wide open door that God had prepared for him, and Philip said, yes, I will do that. And so this is really important to know what you might say, because Peter talked about this, and, and he told us in his writings to be ready. And here's what he said in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Please, please, will you look at this line right here. Gentleness and respect. Man, I see so many Christians yelling at people through social media if, you can, if it's possible to do that. You're wrong. You're bad. No. Just give a reason for your hope with gentleness and respect. That is what strikes people. And it's one thing to walk through an open door, but it's another thing to know what you might say. And so to give a synopsis of the gospel. And I would, I would suggest that you use your story. Because your story cannot be refuted. Your story is your story. Amber's testimony was so powerful because it's her story. And you might say, well, I don't really have a story. Well, yes, you do. Well, no, no I don't. I, I grew up in a Christian home. I was saved when I was eight. I went to Bethel. Yeah, okay, well, that, yeah, you're right, you don't have a story. But, um, for the rest of you, no, I mean, you have a story. Why do you have hope? What keeps you going? How can you be optimistic during this time? That's what people need to hear. That's your story. And then use Scripture to, to get the person there. Here's, here's what I do. I start with Romans 3.23 because I want to give the problem first. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The problem is sin. And then I move to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. So you have the problem and now the consequences. Consequences, that's death, spiritual death. But in that same verse is the hope. But, but, there is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you have the problem, you have the consequences, you have the hope. Then I usually use John 3.16. And then at the end, I will often use Revelation 3.20 to invite the person to receive Jesus. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who opens the door and invites me in, I will dine with him and he with me. And then you can just turn to the person and say, would you like to open that door? Would you like to receive Jesus? It's not really that complicated. And, and that's just my way. There are a million ways to do this. But one thing that you can be sure of after you've listened to God and after you've listened to the person and you know what's happening and, and after you've given an answer, then you know that God is going to take it from there. And so you can just put the responsibility down. 
Because once you've walked through that doorway, God will act. And your responsibility is over. You don't have to go beat yourself up. Oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. I didn't say this. Wow, I wish that would have happened. No, you're done. And in this case, the official was saved. And then Philip immediately found water to baptize him. And then Philip is strangely taken away. And we see this in 36 through 40. We see God act. Look at 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So you see that God had a plan all along. Philip walked through the door. The man was saved. God had another place for Philip to go. And now I have yet to witness a baptism where the pastor actually flies away. But if that does happen, you know it's biblical, so don't freak out. But I find it really interesting that all this happened and the man went away rejoicing, even though a supernatural event had occurred. And so Philip did his part, and God is responsible for the outcome. And if we would just do our part, we could have multiplication at so many levels here at Ridgewood Church. We could have more believers, more baptisms like Amber's. We could train more volunteers and leaders. We could plant more churches. We could have more community involvement because we are the priesthood of believers. It's not up to my neighbor. It's not up to my pastor. It's not up to my leader. It's up to me. And I don't say that as a guilt trip. I say that as something to mull over so that you're ready when opportunities happen. So are you willing to pray for opportunities? Are you willing to put yourself out there a little bit? You know, um, this passage in Romans keeps coming back to me because it's so poignant. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe of whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? In paraphrase, Paul translation, without someone telling them. How are they going to know? Each of us has a role to play, to grow the kingdom, to grow Ridgewood Church. And like my young man I found reading the Bible at Press Row, man, those opportunities do happen. And God's really good at bringing opportunities around. And it's stepping into that opportunity that matters. So remember to be aware. Remember to pray for courage. And then enter in when a doorway opens. Will you please stand? I'd like to pray over you. And pray that God would begin to stir your heart. Because each of us is involved in bringing people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, I just thank you for this beautiful flock that you've brought together here at Ridgewood Church. God, I thank you that you're moving amongst us even during a really hard time. I thank you, God, that you've brought unity and you have brought this amazing restoration project and, and you're allowing us, God, to move forward even though the obstacles seem huge. 
And in each life here, each family that's represented, I know there are huge obstacles. I know we're tired. I know this COVID thing is wearing on us, God. But help us not to set aside the expediency, for expediency, the gospel. And the urgency of the gospel. And to wait till COVID's over to get to work. Because that's not what you want. You want us to be working right now. In fact, I would venture to say that you've brought this along so that we can work and have better opportunities. So God, will you please do that? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.